Welcome to the Yang Gang Roundtable. It is 2.20 p.m. Friday, December 11th. Uh, we have Naomi Luciano here with us today. Naomi, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming. Uh, we are a basic Airbnb. income advocacy podcast. My name is Shale. On the camera, we the have camera. Feiku and Ariel. Ariel. Also, Moto and Faye Doni are here. So, uh, welcome. Please introduce yourself. Um, hear me fine? Yeah, uh, you're uh-huh. a little bit quiet, but I can hear you. If you move a little closer to your mic, that'd be better. Yeah, that's better. Thank you. Is that better? That is, yes. That is. Um, well, I'm... You're, you're cut, we can't Twitter. hear any of that. It cut out. Or at least I couldn't. Could you guys hear her? Mm, um, no, you were cutting out, I'm cut afraid. Out. Maybe noise suppression yeah. actually was too aggressive. Mm, no, noise suppression no, wouldn't do that. I kept getting an error. Yeah, she sounds fine now. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep hearing like the beginning of what you say when it cuts out. I don't know. I'm sorry. Okay. Um. Oh. Um. Can you hear me now, or is this still cutting? Yeah, yeah, we can hear you. Okay. All right. Um. Well, some of you might follow me on Facebook or Twitter, and I've had conversations with Faye a few times. Uh, hi. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I've been I've been with the Yang Gang for since last year, probably somewhere before the fall. I was introduced prior to that, but just keep up with it until a little after popularity a little bit with it. You know, the whole UBI and everything with it. Naomi, I met you through social media, I think. Uh, maybe Twitter, something like that. Uh, there was some sort there were some uh calls for women to submit like Yang Gang, um, you know, UBI uh for women type of thing. Women for for uh for Andrew Yang at the time. Are you were you part of the women groups uh at the time in the Yang Gang? I probably did. There were so many groups that I joined and um some of them I didn't keep up with much after we dropped I'm still around. You're cutting out completely at this point. We cannot hear you. Huh? We cannot hear you. Uh, like the last like thirty seconds didn't come through. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it's a matter of how close you are. Uh, how's your bandwidth where you're at? Are you connected to Wi-Fi? Yeah. I mean, it's it's. I'm like one bar down, but still yeah. pretty. Sh- you're doing great you're doing right, now, right now. For a moment, the, the voice yeah. is doing good now. I'm just trying to find like a quiet place because it can. So. Mm. This is the quietest place I got in the house. Well, that's how that's I, how then I, I had a little more interaction with you after the first uh, women for UBI type of thing, where we discovered that we were both caregivers for children and that, uh, and uh, you had a friend who also was doing that. And so um, I got to know you a little bit through social media. And then we uh, both participated in the testify for UBI. That was an initiative by Angelo and Hannah, Angelo, um, our own Hellion Fire. Fire. Is that right? <laughs> um, it's Angelo Mendoza and uh, Hannah Wong. Uh, and we were participating in that together through the Slack, which is a Humanity First Movement Slack where uh, Yang Gang is continuing on right now. Yeah. So you have like three children. Yeah. Um, 16, um, 5, and 10. Wow. That's wild, man. I yeah, my two oh, younger oh. ones are um, <laughs> my two younger ones are on the autism too, so it's really why one of the main reasons why I really linked up with you relates like me, you know, with Evelyn being a stay at home. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and the, yeah, uh, the uh, fact that uh, the children, that the, some of them are special, them are special needs. needs. So right so now, not now, only, uh, you said that uh, currently they're in school, sort of, uh, like virtual school. And so, uh, and they're, and yeah. your mom is mom like a registered is like a nurse, nurse and, uh, and uh, helping to uh, take care of them. Do you want to tell, do you want to tell us about your, about your family situation, your situation right, right now in right terms now. of the kids well, going, to school, going to school? My mom is a registered nurse, but she's busy. She really can't help out as far as the um, I was working up until last November and I wound up quitting because of the notices that I continue to get through the SSI because my son and they approved him for 655 months. But then, you know, with the means testing and um, them looking into how much income comes into the household, they reduced it to $40 and then down to zero. And I kept having to, you know, leave work early, come in late all the time, because if not, it's like I'm I'm working just a child, care, you know, and then now because of the pandemic changed much since because I'm I have the convenience of being able to have the kids on virtual while my um, uh, you guys, if you could, um, please uh, retweet all of this in the uh, in the place because then more people are going to see this, more people are going to hear this. So I already sent uh, a tweet of this being broadcasted. So if you can all retweet that, just letting you know. go ahead. Hey, yeah. So um, my life hasn't changed since because unemployed since last november and then when the kid home anyway so i might as well keep the kids home so what type of work what type of work do you normally do when when you're um working um well i was working in auto parts i i worked for AutoZone for about 12 years started working for o'reilly's after i took a break from working child the, your boss doesn't want to hear every time you're going to be late or falling out of work because your kids are what so it's just, just just to get rid of all that anxiety i just decided to quit all yeah it's like yeah. they don't yeah. they don't want humanity to procreate even though they were created by a mom <laughs> and they probably had like yeah, they probably you know? had, like, <laughs> yeah. well it's just it's just being a female really, especially uh, in a male dominated field hear- everybody else talking sorry uh, while you're talking like you hear everybody else talking while or, um, we hear everyone else echoed in your feed. Um, so if we can't get the noise question work, yeah, please try to just mute when you're not talking. Um, I'm sorry to, again, to interrupt and then bother you with that, but, uh, I want to get a product that everybody can understand and hear. So we well, can get the response. If we want her to mute her sound, we're also going to need to not interrupt her when she's talking. She can't mute it to happen yeah, if we interrupt uh, her. Anyway, please continue. Yeah, it's just that being in a male-dominated field, because it's an auto parts store, I was really like maybe one or two other, you know, females working at the last place I worked at. It it was just like they tried to work with me on my attendance, um, but it got to the point where I'd have to call in every other day and say, I'm going to be an hour late today because I got to wait on their father to get home from work. Um, Or, you know, it it was just always a problem scheduling I just decided to just together this wasn't worth it stress i totally understand that you know like anytime i've had a job where i didn't have a consistent schedule i've had that take away myself you know like no amount the 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 piddling amount of money you're paid to live that way simply is not worth the stress of that lifestyle no one should have to do it uh you know especially not someone with kids so and and, uh, what what city is this i'm in dayton 
Daytona Beach or Daytona? Yeah, Daytona. Florida. That's in Florida. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. so I was also wondering what part of the country part because of the country, everybody's, uh, everybody's, you know, uh, going through the, know, same, through the same, you know, coronavirus and the virus, elections and, uh, and all of these things, but it's not actually. Um, you know, it's not the same exact ship. Everybody's in a different ship and, uh, where you can, where you are in the country right now can really impact, um, how you're experiencing everything going on. All right. This was like the, the auto parts store. This was pre-coronavirus or post-coronavirus? Uh, pre-coronavirus because before the virus, um, was really out there before the shutdown, all that, like way before that, but you know, being being that I I quit my job and stopped working together, it gave me also the opportunity to get out to Iowa and uh, toward the end of January to go canvas over there, experience up with other young who are all the time actives. That was a good experience. Did you bring your, you children, bring your children to go to do to Iowa? <laughs> no, actually, I didn't. I had a bunch of very generous Yang gang who. Um, helped out and pitched in money to um that basically allowed me to help pay for somebody to come take care of the kids while I was gone for about a week and a half so this person came to my house at two o'clock in the morning three o'clock in the morning every day um to be able to get the kids off to the bus stop at six thirty in the morning and then she would leave and come back when they got dismissed from school and then take care of them till my husband got home from work I was I was very um, grateful for that, you know, for everybody that helped me out and pitched in. For that. That's, an, That's awesome an awesome story. story. Yeah, yeah, I had, I had also considered maybe considered going, out, going to out to Iowa, Iowa but I had, I had um, um, a, a six-year-old at the time, who's seven now. And um, I just thought to myself, Zephyr and I don't have enough winter clothes, and he is going to be miserable, you know, trudging through snow. And uh, I, I decided that ultimately I couldn't make it. But I think Faye among our group actually did go. Faye Doney, who is also here with us. I did. Yeah, I had a lot of fun doing it, too. Um, I mean, it was really cold. It was so cold in Iowa, man. Uh, did you meet did Naomi, Naomi here? I mean, I was very big, so I'm not expecting you were definitely in the same place. Uh, I don't recall meeting her. Um, if if I did, it was probably just, like, within a group environment where it wasn't a direct one-on-one, unless you remember meeting remember. me. Uh, where in Iowa were you? Um, I moved around. I, I spent a lot of time um, in Ames, Iowa, but I had stopped into Davenport a little bit. And I think I stopped in a couple other cities too, but it was so brief, right? Yeah, I was um, I was close to Davenport, and I stayed out at the um, at the sorority of Yang House. The girls out there. Uh, yes, I went and stopped there, and I stayed a few days there. So that house was incredible, wasn't it? Oh my god! Yeah, it was. It was cool, and uh, it's like the first time you get there. Right when you get there, you see the big mural. With the Yang, that painting was amazing. Yeah, it was guys. This painting was ginormous. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna say I don't think I've heard of this before. <laughs> um, it was just a Yang's face, and then let's see, it was taller than me, wider than my <laughs> arms could go, right? And uh, it's funny because they took that when they went to um, Vegas next after that. So like, it stayed nice. around for a little bit. It says Sorority of Yang, I think, on it. As yeah, well. I think I went out there. January 22nd 
and I was only supposed to stay for maybe five days. But um, Will um, and Will Ham, he he actually um helped me out because he got on his Twitch and he was trying to get more donations to help me stay for extra few days so that I could um, have a chance to be with the um, Iowa caucus so that I could caucus out there in a certain so that was more donations that came in to help me stay out there for a couple days consider I had to switch my flight on a different day to get back home so that was uh, another really grateful thing have happened it, but, um, I, mean, I, I, I think it was a great way for all the yinging to also bond together right and when we go our separate ways, like, we're still connected because of that time. Yeah, I mean, the girls were really great over there. There was plenty of room for food. Everybody got along pretty well when I got there. I I was happy to be there. It was a little bit of homesick, the experience alone. Sometimes I was too tired from canvas, you know, worried about what's going on, you know, outside of that. It was a really good experience, and I was happy that I was able to attend his time on Davin. Dave, you're cutting out a lot more. Mm, yeah, I think you were trying to talk about Dave Chappelle, but I didn't hear that. Yeah, I was able to go to his uh, comedy show. I think games. So the girls hooked me up with some tickets over there. You know, everybody was just really good. It was good vibes. Everybody was a little stressful when it got towards the end to the caucus. Overall, every I'm happy. So, so when you were canvassing, did you get a chance? Um, what would be your tactic in, in speaking to people? Would you tell people about your personal experience with um, the UBI at all, or would it just be about Andrew Yang? Or Well, I think it all depends on who I got to meet with. Like, I literally would walk around Canvas and show people the SSI that I was receiving all the time when they were threatening to run off because of it. So that was a really good selling point that I had. I actually, at the Davenport town hall that Yang had, uh, there was a situation where I kind of had, uh, I don't want to say an argument, but, you know, there was a woman that got up and she had the microphone and she um, she was able to, it was like Q&A time. So she was able to come up on a microphone and her question was about the, um, about replacing welfare. And she wasn't, she wasn't down with that. She was just like, you know, um, but you'd be replacing this and that. And why is it one thing and not the other? You know, why do you have to have the opt-in? And he explained it to her the way he always would when that question really professional, really cool about it. Even though she was a little snot, you know, like asking him about that. And uh, so immediately I was right behind her and I kind of was just like, I'll wait. So yeah. when it came time for picture time for everybody to clear out, um, I had kind of caught her attention and I said, now do you understand why, you know, it would have to be something? And she said, no, I don't. So I took out my piece of paper and I showed her like my family it should be able to qualify for this assistance, but we don't qualify because of because of the means testing, because of the income caps. You know, it's just inefficient and UBI would be a lot better. And yeah. on top yeah. of the fact that they only capped it at 655 no more. 
this is a thousand dollars we're talking so about. It's like I a no brainer. Like yeah, I'm so glad that you're there to be a living example because those people, those people who uh, are skeptical of UBI, chiefly because they fear it will change our extant welfare system, I'm going to call them welfare hawks. Uh, they they are never people who've used welfare. The people who are just like, why can't we just have more welfare and no cash? You know, it's, it's, they're always just people for whom welfare is a theory. But, you know, I've used welfare, you've used welfare. People who've used it want a UBI and they're not, you know, uh, so afraid that it will change the extant welfare system that they're not interested in it because. And, and not only that, cash but is like, just generally but, better than, right. you know, and, and, and for means people tested who. Welfare. <laughs> And, and and for people who are not on welfare, but they're stuck in, like, a loop. Because it's like, if you miss one day of work, if Free you trap, miss... Yeah. People, people, pe- people, not even poverty. People who are just, like, middle class, but want to go to that next level of, like, their business or their life or, like, invest in something more, are always afraid, if I spend, like, an extra 300 or $500... What's going to happen because I need to like divide all my bills in a way that's like this. It's like, oh, I really want to maybe maybe there's a place in the world like you've always wanted to go, but you only need it. You you need to make like an extra two hundred dollars in your job. But you always want to go there. You're like, I'm never going to be able to do that thing because I'm never going to have that like that little push to like get me there. Because if I do want to get that thing that I really, really want that means I'm I'm gonna sacrifice this, or or I can't like pay my electric bill or something like that. Whereas that UBI, even if you're like that middle class life, but you always wanted to like have an experience, or you always wanted to do things, can give you that push so you can finally do that, and you're still working because you need the money from work and from the UBI to always do that thing that you've always wanted to do, and that's something that these people are like, oh, but. Well, okay, that actually makes me think of a story, though. Like, when um, somebody gave me three installments of the Freedom Dividend out of their own pocket, I mean, I, for the first time in my life, at the age of 31, was able to go to Disneyland, which was, like, a lifetime dream. Like, this wasn't just some impulse thing. I literally could never Mm. go to Disneyland because I was so broken. I could never justify it. And for the first time in my life, I could have that opportunity to be like, you know what? I want to be able to achieve a life goal and feel like I can do the things I want to in my life. And it added a significant amount of value to my life. And for them to be like, well, actually you're just wasting that money or, or you don't, you shouldn't have spent it. Like I should know what I need to spend the money on. Yeah, exactly. It just opens access for more people for anything and not just the people on welfare for like everybody. Like, like for opportunity. So not only does it help the people who welfare caps near $900 anyway, it like opens opportunity for everyone. Well, well, think about it this way, though. Like if you have um, a dream, right, and and you're broke, your dream could take 20 years to manifest into this reality, which is what going to Disneyland was for me. 20 years to make that possible. If I had money when I was younger... I don't think it would take me 20 years to make a dream come true, especially one so simple, right? right. You know, my, yeah. my little sister got to go to Disneyland when she was like two weeks old or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> well, not for nothing. My, my but parents went to Hawaii when, 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 when I was still in my mom's stomach. My wow, what a trip that was. Well, <laughs> not for nothing, but look what's going on right now with the, with the um, pandemic shutdown. 
you know, I'm out here in Florida and Disney and Universal, Legoland, they're all within 45 minutes away from Right. And, you know, even though right now I wouldn't want to go because of, you know, I don't want to spread COVID and whatnot. Um, I would still purchase like a, a, a season ticket or a season pass for when they do get ready to open again. You know what I mean? But even if like on a regular day, if we were getting UBI, that wouldn't be a waste of money because you going to the theme parks means that you're ex- you're allowing the workers to still have a job. And right now they currently don't have a job here here let and and let me add on to that like um uh what i i was working at best buy as a seasonal employee and then at the end of the day the manager was like oh you're so great you're such a great employee and like we love having you here but we hardly have any customers coming in so we're gonna be making some cuts so it's like it's not that people can't work or don't want to work if nobody's buying nobody's working and and I don't know like why that's rocket science for all these people to like understand. It's it's pretty ridiculous, right? It's during, like, well during coronavirus time, you are concerned about people, you know, going into public spaces and gathering together. So I can see there could be some concerns with that. But the but the main issue is also people travel from really far away and they have to get in on airplanes and be in tight tight spaces, confined spaces where they're sharing the same air. So it's it's not a it's not a simple matter to just open up everything and uh, have everybody continue business as usual, but I think that the American dream, if if uh, if uh, Disneyland doesn't encapsulate that, then what are they yelling at the end of Super Bowls? You know, it's like <laughs> it's certainly not just for young pe- uh, for young uh, children. I it's I, for I think, adults. I think it's, it's for everybody. It's, so it's become more of an American nightmare at this point. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 so it's so dumb. How, um, you know, you know, people have all these stereotypes about people who hardly have money and, uh, never walked a day in their shoes. I mean, if you got, if you got, you know, um, Mitch McConnell and he was driving around in like Missouri from Kentucky, I don't know, and his car broke down in like a poverty stricken town and he only had $5 to his name, I wonder what he would do. Wait, are you talking about the, my the, situation? <laughs> no, yeah, I'm, I'm wondering. I wonder. I'm wondering if these, if if one of these politicians were in your situation, how how would they would handle that without any of their staff, without any of their like media, without any of like anyone to help them, without any of their money or their friends, and just like you know, like ten dollars to their name, stuck in the middle of a poverty stricken town, how they would handle it. I'd love to see that. I'd love to put one of these people on the hill in Washington and face situation and see what, how would you get out of that? With like I wish, hardly I wish my situation on nobody. <laughs> like, right. Yes, yeah, Naomi, but, Naomi but are you familiar with what Faye is doing at this moment? Because she's fully nomadic and wants to continue being her activism well into now we're past the election but we haven't got that ubi we don't have a recurrent cash stimulus and so Faye is 100 percent still go have do you know um a little bit about what she's doing right now i can't hear you are you talking hello can you hear me yes yeah, now it's better okay. I, maybe maybe you think your thumb is like on somewhere on your phone or no can you yeah, yeah, yeah. We can. I can hear you, but I'm talking about times we can't because sometimes my like thumbs block the microphone. But we can hear you now. No, I, I, I don't, I don't know about anybody's personal activity as far as what 
they're doing. No, um, Faye, are you are you in Georgia or where are you going? Okay, this was the plan. Yeah. Yes, well, to go to plan. Georgia. It was originally so Quest to Georgia, to and I'm going to let Faye tell let's, you all about yeah, it. Yeah, let's let Faye tell. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I was going to go to Georgia to help them flip the Senate, right? And I was in Texas, and I was like, okay, that's fine. I could drive to Georgia. That's not that far. I'm I'm used to this kind of thing, right? And, uh, but see, I did not actually have enough money to make it to Georgia. And so I was like, that's okay. I'll figure it out as I go. Right. And that was a stupid idea. Um, but I was very determined to get there because I figured I could get housing while I was there. Right. As long as I made this part of the trip happen. Well, what ended up happening was my truck broke down in the smallest town of Alabama, um, called Fort Deposit. And, um, you know, I spent the first night sleeping in my truck you know, having severe panic attacks, um, because I had no money, right? Like I literally had no money. And, uh, and so I kind of sent the like call out to people, Hey, I need uh, like help. I don't know what to do. And then like, so the next day I kind of got like sniffles away and I wrote SOS on my truck. Okay. Um, and you know, uh, eventually somebody came up and talked to me and, uh, offered their help. Right. He's a, a local of the area. Um, and so what ended up happening was he was like, well, my son is a mechanic. I'll, I'll try and hook you up there. Um, but during that time, he actually drove me around the town and the town, the infrastructure is literally falling apart. Like they don't have drinking water. That's clean. They have like buildings literally falling apart. The roads are terrible. Right. Um, they, uh, just, <laughs> the list goes on. It's, it's, it's quite, it's quite sad. Right. And, um, you know, they don't have a grocery store. They closed the grocery store a while ago because somebody was trying to like bleach the meat and sell old meat. Okay. Like they were getting desperate with how they were trying to, um, continue to like function. Shale, if you're talking, you're muted. Okay. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and that was just one of the things. And like, since I've been there, I've heard, like people stealing from each other and they're like, well, they're lucky they're not shot. And I'm just like, uh, okay. You know, um, there have been multiple deaths, uh, from drinking and driving, uh, among other things happening here. And this town is like no more than a thousand something. Okay. Like it's a small town. I mean, one person, you mean the population is less yeah, than a thousand. No, it's mm. more than a thousand, but it's less than two. A little thousand. more. Okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, while there, I was like, oh my God, this would be a great place for a UBI pilot, right? And Jack Dorsey from Twitter just donated money towards the UBI pilot programs. And I was like, well, shit, we need to get a pilot program here. <laughs> so uh, I've been reaching out to my people and I've got teams across the whole US at this point. And I was like, hey guys, could we do this? And so, I mean, I'm having all sorts of things happening now and uh in just uh let's see um a little over an hour i have a, a call or not a call i'm going to meet the mayor of fort deposit i've had a couple calls with her but they were brief um and i'm going to try and actually um do uh like get her on board with the infem pilot sounds like she's willing to work with me i just have to like actually present it to her and uh <laughs> <laughs> That's like having a kid, right? <laughs> Showing you toys. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, anyway, um, so I'm trying to do the best I can, but my truck is still broken down. It's still in the shop. They're going to uh, maybe have parts in tomorrow. 
uh, but they're trying a different parts store to get the parts. Um, the neighboring city of Greenville, which is a, you know, 20 minute drive or so, uh, is, uh, actually functioning. And so I think, uh, the quickest way to get anything rolling is actually to get, um, the neighboring city to also assist. Um, I've seen programs uh, across the U.S. that have been functioning. We've even had some of these people onto our show, like the the Love Fridge project my friend Gina's doing, who you might know Gina. Uh, she's part of the sorority of Yang. I don't know. Um, but anyway, uh, essentially it's a take what you need, leave what you can fridge project. Um, and I think I can get a local to help me find one, maybe a local artist to decorate it, you know, um, but maybe even convenience or not convenience stores, but like they need fresh food there. Like their best store they have is a dollar general, which means the quality of stuff they're getting is the lowest quality, right? Like yeah. they're trying, but it's like bare so They're in a food right? desert. Okay. Now, uh, yeah. Uh, and the thing yeah, is, the uh, you're, yeah. you're talking about two cities that are fairly close to each other. They're about 10 or 15 minutes apart by car. Is that correct? 20, I think. Uh, closer to 20, but yeah. Okay, so about 20 minutes apart, these two towns seem to be having very different fortunes. And um, when I look it up, it says that Greenville is in one county. Um, it's the county seat of Butler County. And Fort Deposit is actually uh, in a different county called Loundis County. Is that correct? I don't know if I'm saying it correctly. I, ha- I wouldn't know. <laughs> but, but apparently they're in two different counties, even though they're only 20 minutes apart. And it may be that the two counties are faring very differently because uh, I believe that it's actually considered um, the largest town in Loundis County. You're actually in the lo- largest town in the entire county <laughs> uh, for a fort deposit, I mean. Yeah, so that's, well, I find though. that really interesting. Interesting, yeah. Um, so anyway, that's my um But I am working with people that are... Um, going to help figure out the foundational um, structure. Uh, one of our people on our podcast named Josh is a tribal leader and he and I, and hopefully soon Angelo, who is like a literal genius actually want to um, find plans on how to develop this city. Um, and uh, if we help build this place back up from like dead, I, I mean, that's kind of what it feels like. It's like 20 years of decay here. Um, but if we can figure that out, he can help his tribal members and I can actually help people in Kenya that I'm also working with. So like, if we can help me help this town, we literally could help thousands of people. Right. And we just have to get more people to know about it. And, you know, the most I can do is send out videos and like, cause I'm still stressed about my situation. Right. My truck is still broken down and my truck is my home. I live out of my truck. Right. So, um, like, people are trying to keep me calm and collected while also trying to do something kind of on a historic level. So, I don't know. <laughs> well, the and the, the town of uh, Fort Deposit, according to the Wikipedia articles, right, is uh, it says that uh, it's a very old town, right, from nine, uh, probably was settled in 1890. And uh, the town was named after a fort that was built under the order of General Andrew Jackson. It was a supply fort that was built to serve the soldiers during the Creek Indian War. <laughs> so it's kind wow. of a, it's really interesting, yeah, like, uh, you know, these little details that give you a sense of uh, place, you know. Uh, like, 
Yeah, go ahead. Here's what really gets at me. Like, like um, uh, the thing is, is that like we have these elected officials, and they have like tons of money at their disposal. Like their net worth, like forty three million, I think. Like, like fifty million, and all this stuff. And they're living these cushy lives with like all these recesses that they just take every like two months, easy, cushy lives of, like, no stress, and, like, you know, you know, they have their staff members, they have all these people doing their stuff for them, they have people looking over their social media accounts, their emails, some of them don't even know how to use emails, let alone Discord or social media, and yet, like, they're, they're hardly uh, uh, looking at these problems. And here we have someone like our little gang over here, and, like, Faye, who's going through all of this stress and all of this headache and all of this kind of like already all these financial problems and kind of like thinking of like how to help and how to do these things and how to put these people together when the people with the money and the resources and the cushy jobs and the easy times are like on their butts, not even, not even talking about this and just bickering with each other like a bunch of kindergartners. What I would love to see is real news reporters actually doing real news. We need to stop fighting over who is more popular, and we need to spend that money on the actual problems, and we need people to tell people how to spend that money. But we need to make sure Mm -hmm. there's infrastructure for them to even receive financial help if we did get any. That's so important, and I think... I think that's part of the problem with the Fort Deposit. I don't think some of the people got their stimulus checks because they don't have the infrastructure um, to make it happen. You know, like we have to find it. Like we have to figure it out and we have to have a test location. Which reminds me, actually, you know, when Trump was talking about the forgotten man and the forgotten woman, there they are right there. And he's been president for about four years. And has their situation changed? And uh, even, but even I think under Obama, I think it would probably still look like that. I don't think it's Obama and Trump. I just think it's like, just has to do with awareness. So, but, but it, but it amazes me that Trump can sit there talking about forgotten men and forgotten women. And you're, you're right there, Faye. You're with the forgotten men and forgotten women of this country. Maybe you think about it, right? <laughs> well, I mean, as I've been traveling for two years, I've also, this, this is not actually the first town I've seen dead, right? I think it's just the first mm-hmm. time I've actually realized how dead of a town I was in because a local actually explained it to me. And then, like, right. thinking right. retrospectively, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. This isn't even the first one I found, right? And right. Um, so, so, but that's where the other ones are heading if they haven't already, right? right? right. And I just so, cannot be standing idle. So I'm very we, we got to really um, disseminate the policy politicians uh, rhetoric with like actual on the ground realities so like i think i think that's what's been missing really i think people have just become so polarized that everybody falls for like the speeches and rallies but at the end of the day when all the speeches and the rallies are over and everybody goes back home like what's really changed what's really happening and i think that's that's where the disconnect really is and i think i think andrew yang really bridged that gap between rhetoric and reality. I, th- I think I, I like that. Maybe, maybe that should be the name of the show. Rhetoric versus reality or something like that. And like, let's break it down. 
Go ahead. Well, well the crazy thing, go ahead. The crazy thing that I have been telling people for a long like in in the beginning like after the 2016 anybody remember Carrier in Indiana? You mean the yeah, uh, American yeah, like corporation a, that makes the, like the HVAC units and stuff, right? Well, they got like a $7 million tax because they have plans to move over to Mexico completely. Like they were going to shut even, everything down. Even they got uh, the $7 million tax break, and then they took that $7 million and they invested in automation to stay keeping some of the production here. And then they still packed up a whole nother assembly line to Mexico. So they had two mass layoffs. And all of these people in that Indiana plant voted for Trump because they really, like, he started talking about their cause. And they really believed that he was going to make a difference for them. So they were doomed. And where, what happened? <laughs> Seven million dollar tax break and jobs got automated. Same thing happened with Carrier in Syracuse about 10 years earlier. Um, Almost exactly the same. So it was kind of funny when I saw that happening in Indiana. I was like, I know exactly where this is going to lead because it, literally they they shut down a, a yeah. plant uh, in Syracuse around the time I was living up there. So and uh, coincidentally, yeah. Syracuse is right by Rochester, Yang's hometown. And by coincidentally, I mean that's not a coincidence. You can see where Yang gets some of his political roots. The New, right. yeah. well, New York I State. Mean, that's, yeah, that's the thing. Rochester, I mean, New York, I mean, uh, very close to well, Syracuse, the same rather, state as rather, uh, rather, Alabama. Right, the same thing. No, yeah, sorry, I, but yeah, I mixed up the towns. Right. But you know. it's interesting. Like, like so, so I mean, like fake news. We can talk about like fake promises or empty promises at this point because it's all it's all just words when you break it down can, can we I mean, can like, we change it yeah. to phase news instead of fake news phase yeah. news get it <laughs> yeah phase <laughs> news sure why not at least, at least that's real <laughs> <laughs> because like we so, can see it and and stuff you know yeah yeah further exploring the uh demographics and the geography of these two counties that are right next to each other but uh, faring differently, uh, you find that uh, in out the uh, Butler County, which is doing better, right? The county seat is Greenville, where Faye has found actual, uh, you know, more infrastructure. They have a demographics that is uh, a little bit more white, right? And uh, fewer black or African Americans. Over in uh, Lowndes County, uh, they have 70, over 70% of the population is black. Whereas Butler County has... Uh, uh, 54% white, um, a more mi- white major- majority with fewer black um, or African-Americans. Um, and also there's uh, just more people, right? Demographically speaking, there's just more people in the one town versus the other. I mean, in the counties. And so in as of the census of 2000, there were only 13,000 uh, people in Lowndes County. I hope I'm say- saying it correctly. And over in the uh, Butler County, uh, they have about 20,000, 21,000 people. And so the, the, fact that, the fact is, wealth follows people, right? And that's what the universal basic income recognizes, is that uh, if, you are, if you're a human being, right, then you are productive and you are going to be creating wealth wherever you are. But our money system doesn't track that. Right, right now the money system um, 
it doesn't recognize any human human values specifically. It only recognizes very specific um, it uh, things that are not, um, you know, like uh, there's certain things that can make you money and other things that just don't make any money whatsoever. So you could uh, grow your crops, but if you can't sell them, then if you can't exchange it with somebody for money, then it then it's as if it had never happened at all, economically speaking. And the same thing with humans. So you know, you can produce. Um, a lot of people in this uh, one area, but you would all continue to be living in, in uh, systemic and historic poverty, you know, like transgenerationally, if that was the history that you started with. And so um, Faye did recognize um, one of the first things that she did tell us about was that it seemed like, you know, the part of the reason for the suffering in that first town that she encountered for it deposit is that there seemed to be this, um, you know, long historical uh, sort of uh, passed down uh, history of slavery in the area, that this was a plantation town. And it seemed like, you know, the white people just moved out, but left the the people who had been enslaved um, to continue living there. And it, it just really seemed like a, you know, like something happened uh, a long time ago. And it continues to have this have effects in the town years and years later. So uh, these are the kinds of things that uh, it's going to take a lot of money to actually uh, change. It's not just you know something that you just talk about. Well, we're just going to make people less. Right. You know, we're, we're going to well, somehow just change people's don't hearts have and the minds. Buildings anymore. They don't even have the foundational structure in their buildings to even have these services, right? Well. Like what? What I found to be so just like disconnected from reality was like I think one or two days ago, Mike Pence was talking about like uh, like staving off military threats from space. So let's invest in like a military space force and just leave like our own infrastructure on the ground crumbling. At a certain point, you know, you really got to ask yourself, what the hell is there to defend? Like that. that that's like like. Like, you know, like, Faye, when you said, like, you could have, like, 10 bodyguards and, like, die of a heart attack. If you have no food in your fridge, are you are you worried about hiring bodyguards to defend food and water that you don't have? Not to defend you, Pence. You know, you know, you know, like, it's so dumb. It's so, so not to defend Pence, but I think the reason why this gets any traction is a lot of these smaller towns... And maybe even it was the case with Fort Deposit, but quite a long time ago, a lot of them are, are pretty much military towns, and they kind of rely on federal spending in the form of military allocations to kind of keep the town's economies going. And towns that have kind of lost that over the years uh, just, like, completely fall apart. Well, so well, you, well you, why you is that, a, right? I mean, well, it's, it's literally that they have a, a military-based economy. They're, uh, they're It's kind of like a college town. You know, you got people coming in. From the outside, right. you kind of depend on outside but, money, maybe even overseas money. Not so much for military, but, you know, the contract boots are there. We, yeah. We're, so I, 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 that's just, yeah. In, in America, we have this thing, too, where we're kind of against federal spending unless it's military spending, and then it's kind of like, oh, cool, whatever. I, I mean, not, I mean these, these, these wrinkled-up, decrepit, corrupt jerks have taken over the uh, conversation so badly and the narrative that it's like, what? Why? Like, why can't we have like a creativity-based economy? Why can't we have like a healing-based you know economy? Of? You know, I'm afraid of the but. children. 
I'm afraid for the children. You know, Faye, even Naomi, you guys have kids, right? Like, I care about your guys' kids and how they're going to be able to survive in this world. And it's not a great trajectory right now. And you know what? If if I have to start at a small freaking town to learn how to do it, then if I can learn it, I can at least teach it because I've seen it, right? And I've had to work through certain um, things you, like, you know, theoretically, you wouldn't even even thought to consider until you're actually in it, right? And so um, I, I just really want to create a template. Other people can at least attempt to try in their own cities, right? Um, and I think there's a major opportunity here that, like, like if there was a time to strike, I think it's now because, like, this town is not going to, I think it's going to crumble even more. And, 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 like, people are homeless there, but they're staying on their friends' couches. But they don't have homeless services there, right? Right. Um, so they are homeless, but they aren't um, being seen because they're not on the street because it's too freaking cold. Well, and yeah, a lot of like, people yeah. who are making the decisions, right, in the in the legislatures in the state or something like that, they're going to be coming from a place that is wealthier, that is a bigger city. And so when they talk about welfare, they imagine the welfare working the way it does in the big city. You know, you have a center and then these things happen. But when you're in a rural area where the people, the population is so spread out, they may can't even get to the help because you don't you're not going to set up these special, you know, centers to help people where there's hardly any people to help. And so it's like, even just to get to the help, um, it's like, it's not only a flyby town because it's far away from probably a lot of, um, you know, infrastructure, but it's also a drive-by town, even though it has a freeway that runs right through it. People just drive right past it. And if Faye hadn't broken down, she probably would never have stopped and, and looked into what the town was like. Now, you've probably all heard about the diabetes belt, right? And I, I often talk about that because I kind of live in it. Um, but, uh, they also have something called the Alabama's black belt, and this is considered uh, in the, the rusty buckle of it, because apparently they're saying karate? by the civil rights era in the 1960s, this rural county was referred to as bloody loundus, bloody loundus, because there was so much violence against black people. And so, uh, it was, yeah. Uh, I think like the biggest con- the the uh, black belt the biggest concentration of uh, black people in America the slave descendants anyways within uh, it's kind of like a hook shape or like a crescent shape I think like from around like just south of Maryland over to I want to say Louisiana that kind of runs down through there yeah <laughs> you know that, it, so that's I think that's like the traditional heart of of where a lot of the black population. Uh, at least within an American context, uh, <clears throat> is is from uh, it. That's before you got like the great migrations northward into cities uh, with the industrial revolution. But well, the other thing I want to mention, guys, is I I was like, hey, do you guys have uh, you know a number I could call for me because I'm homeless right now and I need to get my truck fixed and I can't keep affording a hotel? They're like, well, go to Montgomery, which is much much farther away. Right. And so I called them because you know what? Fuck it. I'll try it. Well, Montgomery's like their waiting list just to see if you qualify is so long. They wouldn't even tell me if it was days, months or whatever, like weeks, days, weeks or months. Right. And that was concerning. I was like, wait, so there's already homeless people suffering and you guys don't even have the resources to get them checked into any resources because the waiting list is so long. So they're like, I mean, if you change your mind, you can always try again later. Like, but essentially, um, yeah, 
I'm not even on a waiting list, you know? Like, yeah, you're in the wrong state for that, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm just yeah. really worried about the people here. Because well, if the, a bigger city has a waiting list like that, that's very concerning. So the interesting thing about um, when they people call call it the black belt, it it's not actually referring originally to the you know racial makeup of this area. Although there was a lot of slavery, and the reason was it was actually uh, the region's incredibly rich black topsoil that made people give the give it this name. And so it's interesting that uh, the slavery and everything actually happened in this super fertile area, right, where people were trying to just get a lot out of the land. And so, and and uh, one of their their uh, strategies for doing that at the time was to enslave a lot of people and have a lot of workers, you know, on the, working the land. And so, um, this is, I think, uh, just a really interesting uh, history to be exploring. And I hope that um, our listeners will be tuning into Faye's continued, um, you know, travels here and things that, um, you know, uh, hopefully will. We can uh, make an impact in a region that uh, has just been very much neglected, and um, that we can bring these issues into the the mainstream. The, to the, talk these about. are literally like the forgotten men and women of the country. So, I mean, I, I can't believe that, like, you know, our our soon to be former president made the case for the forgotten men and the forgotten women. Here they are, so forgotten as ever, <laughs> even more. <laughs> well, that just reminds me. Of- do any of you, uh, I think it's from The Guardian, sure, but one of these media uh, people, uh, they have a YouTube that I was, it's called Anywhere But Anywhere But Why. And uh, the guy, he went out to uh, Ohio to go and take a look at things, if anything, Trump got elected. And you know, he won Ohio the first. And after I watched this video, I was just like floored at the fact that he won Ohio again. And I'm like, what has he done? You know, and these people like there was one older guy and he was he was asked like, well, you know, what has changed or what has Trump done here? And the guy said, uh, told the journalist blink. And he said, you see, nothing changed. And he was right. just like, there has right. not been any jobs. He went around the um, the area asking people about jobs, about work, about what's going on. What do they need? What Whoa. is lacking? Everybody said jobs, income, jobs, income. There was nothing, you know, and, and they're still that, sitting there on standby waiting for the coal industry to to come back to life. And we all know that that's been out the door, you know, and it's just it's funny to me when I hear people try to fear monger about um, the the New Deal or whatever. And it's like, OK, well, what what's wrong with new energy? What's yeah. wrong with renewable yeah. energy? What's wrong with creating more clean, green jobs? You well, know, I those think, people that are waiting well, on the coal that, industry to come back, they could easily transition into other work. Right. Well, you know, as far as bringing, uh, uh, energy infrastructure out to these places, these like, remote places that don't really have it right now. I mean, that's what the uh, first New Deal did, essentially brought electrification and roads to these areas, made them less cut off from... Uh, like, you know, the bigger urban centers, you know, but you see, here's the thing, though. Trump was at least uh, talking about the problems, even though he didn't have the solutions. But I think why the Democrats keep losing over and over again, and I think we can we can all agree on this, is because the Democrats are just talking about like, uh, 
uh, what is it like ra- kind of more more like on racial issues and on like uh, diversity and all of that stuff. But what's the point of having, you know, diversity and all this equalness if we're all just going to be equal and being poor and desperate? You know what I mean? Well, so I think, I think that Yang, uh, he, he kind of went on about it a different route. It's like it's, it's like you're not poor and miserable and desperate because you're racist and you like Trump. It's because of, you know, the automation and it's because of, like, the way that the economy is going. So I think that's where where Yang kind of brought a lot of, and I'm one of them, like uh, former uh, Trump people into the fold because he said that Trump's solutions were all uh, nonsense and garbage, but uh, I have the real solutions. But I, I also think that the Democratic establishment also ha- has just been ignoring these problems too. I think it's on both sides. I think that it's like it's like finally Yang came by and he said, I can understand why people would vote for Trump, but I have the right solutions right here instead of just like 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 getting mad well, at Democrats. You see, but the thing is, they're they're gonna uh, the, the Democrats. The main line is gonna respond by calling him, and they did this with Bernie too, like a white supremacist because he even cares to. Uh, well, try let's to ask Naomi. People. What what do you what do you think about that when? when the democratic establishment tries to smear Yang as like a white supremacist or a tech bro and all that stuff. Like what's the thing? Whoa, whoa. Well, I, I even, you know, what's the crazy part is that even now, you know, I see where on Twitter people are putting, uh, they're retweeting posts that Yang would put out and they're like, Oh, he needs to stop. Um, he, he needs to stop uh, trying to cater to the white supremacists, you know, and this and this and that. It's like, why? Because he's talking about their issues, too. You know what I mean? It's like people people pretend that the only su- human suffering is happening if you're not white. You know what I mean? And Yeah. I see it as kind of an inversion of... Why can't we just be friends? I see it kind of as an inversion of the Reagan era where they kind of blamed the idea of this like unworthy poor uh, welfare queens and whatnot that was aimed predominantly at the black community. Um, and the, and I think where a lot of people get confused is it wasn't even from uh, the top down perspective. It, the, the fact that it was, if it's black or white people is actually kind of irrelevant. The point is that they just don't redistribute funds. I, so they don't have to turn on anyone who, like uh, you, you, you're just as likely as like a poor white person to be in like all of this misery. I think they're trying to divide the poor along racial lines, so that way, like, it's easier to be controlled. If you're if you're taking all this time fighting against each other instead of looking at the real people, I mean, like when like think of Nancy, like think of Nancy Pelosi when she says. Like these things about like oh you don't know or you don't understand while she's eating under her her out of out of that fridge that had like a ton of ice cream in it and she's like we're feeding these people we're feeding these people I mean what do you think of that like well uh, I'm gonna interject guys I need to get going because I need to ride out to Fort yeah. Profit. Um, so I'm just going to give my handles real quick. Um, so my name's Faye Doni. Uh, please 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 check out my story. Um, you know. Uh, I have, it's called Linktree, um, so it's uh, L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E backslash T-I-S 
D-O-N-E-Y. Literally all my platforms are there. If you want to donate to me, if you want to check out my Twitch, TikTok, Discord, I don't care, okay? It's literally got everything you could possibly want to follow this story, okay? And then I don't have to update you guys. You guys can just find it. But, um, you know, uh, my Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok handle is Tisdoney, T-I-S-D-O-N-E-Y. Um, so if you want to donate to the cause, my Venmo is art by Doni, A-R-T-B-Y-D-O-N-E-Y. Um, and then my, uh, let's see, cash app is dollar sign Faye Doni. And then my PayPal is pulling a Doni, P-U-L-L-I-N-G-A-D-O-N-E-Y. So if you guys can contribute, that would be helpful. You know, um, I'm still trying to onboard people to this vision of fixing the city. If you have skills, please reach out to me. Message me on Twitter is preferred, but, you know, whatever. If you go to the uh, link tree, that's got all of the different ways to reach me. Um, And, you know, thank you guys for this podcast. And uh, I will probably try and pop on tomorrow's um, just for a few. (laughs) But, uh Thank you, Naomi, for coming on, and uh, I'll let you guys get to it. Yeah, Thank you for having Before me. Before you go, I, I really want to remind you to that. put your information so in our SEO robot, Craig. I did Wait, all the Twitch one. She's so. great. She's already done it. She oh, you put it in uh, in uh, Bart? Really yes, she did. Oh, I thank you very that. much for okay, dropping cool. in today, Faye, and yeah. we'll see you tomorrow. And, and I hope it all goes all right. well. I, I really hope they listen to you. Okay. Yeah, sorry yeah. for talking over everybody. I just wanted to make sure I caught Faye before she left. I want to make sure that, that information really is in the description fields I, for everything. I, don't know. I didn't do I don't the link tree one, so I'm doing that right now. Your decibel levels were pretty high. I hear you, Ariel. Thank you. Yeah. Noted. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. There it is. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Hi, Faye. Is my volume better, Ariel? Okay. Yeah, it's better now. Okay. Was, thanks. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So where when she before she left, I was just saying. What what do you think about the whole ice cream fridge thing? It was completely out of touch. Like you got people who can't even like buy ramen noodles if they wanted to, and she's over here showing off her expensive freezer with it was Half just full. Of, it was like a collection yeah. of ice cream. She could have opened up her own Baskin Robbins in there. <laughs> Nancy Robbins. Yeah. I'm sure she regrets sure that. Regrets. Well, she should. Yeah. I, I don't understand. How do these people get voted in? I don't know. Right? It's hard. Know? To, I, hate, I hate being so petty and taking a like, schadenfreude in it, but like they suffer no other consequences if the only thing that's going to happen to Nancy Pelosi is she's going to feel bad about like having shown an ice cream freezer and being revealed as tone deaf for a minute. Like, I can't help but revel in it because she gets elected yes. anyway, no matter what I do. Because the system. Well, conversation between like you know professionals and rich people. Most of our electoral system, you know, they're she doesn't really get that feedback from from the people who matter to you know her constituency. She lives in freaking San Francisco in one of the richest districts in the you know country. <laughs> She's what does she care? You know. And, well, not just that, but when she was over here with the mask mandates and the shutdowns and everything, and then um, out came out the video of her at the salon. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. It's, it's just entirely. Yeah. It's like, how do you put all these rules and mandates on right. your constituents and the whole state? You lock it all down, right. but like, you manage to get yourself in there for a quick, you know, salon appointment. Yeah, I, I live I live in California, and I think it's pretty bad. 
but the thing is, like, this is this is what I I kind of it kind of annoys me. And then over there in Florida, you got like Matt Gates and uh, just some like like what what was his name DeSantis and all those other schmucks. So like, look, yeah, we got DeSantis, Marco Rubio. <laughs> Right, right, and and you probably don't like them either. But ju- but look, like I live in California. I don't like Nancy Pelosi. I don't like Gavin Newsom. Heck, I don't even like Garcetti, who's my mayor, and and he's he, he he's trying to ban unnecessary walking. There's, a, there's like a link to that. So I mean, we can I cannot like Pelosi and not like those people in Florida, and you cannot like those people in Florida and not like Pelosi too. But you, you see what they do to us? They want us to attack each other. Like, oh, oh, if, if you, you, like, we're going against Pelosi and Pelosi saying that she's going against them. And we're kind of over here saying, like, hey, I'll suck against all of you. <laughs> you know? I mean, isn't that the truth? Yeah, I got, I got into yeah. it pretty heavy the other night on Twitter with somebody. And um, it was over the whole Mitch McConnell and Pelosi with the stimulus thing. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I, I had said something about Nancy. She said, oh, it's always easy to blame Nancy and this and this and that and going back to blaming Mitch. And I'm like, really? They're both the same. They're right. both standing in the way of things happening that need to happen right now. You know, and I said, and I said, I'm exclusive when it comes to po- pointing blame. You know what I mean? It's not left or right. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I will blame them both. Okay, and I, and I, I took a screenshot. didn't get one uh, a stimulus uh, prior to the election. They they held that up purposely. (laughs) Yeah, I took a screenshot where I tagged both Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi, and I said, "You guys are holding us up. What's going on? You know what I mean? Like." Right. People yeah. people are getting evicted. Yeah. People are hungry. Like, what's lots up? Of blame. You you see it's it's all theater, right? Because it's like, hey, like like you know, you know like I don't know if you know but divorced parents do this a lot. Like some some divorced parents who are really bad, if they never get anything accomplished, they always say, "Oh, your your dad. Your dad's always doing this. Your dad." And then you go to the dad and then dad's like, "Oh, it's the mom. The mom's always doing this." So it's like it's like this constant thing and then they want you to take a side and it's like, "Hey, like, no, 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 You don't understand. Maybe it was better if I was just adopted and didn't have you people as parents in the first place. <laughs> like, that's, that, that, that's what it is. So, so it's like, it's like, pe- but, but the more people fall for this blame game and this left versus right, the more we're just going to stay stuck. We you just say like, 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 heck, I'd go up to like Ohio or, or, um, you know, you know, Wisconsin and just say like, hey, I know that like, Trump really talked about like the pain you're going through, but he wasn't the answer though. But I can understand why you'd get so mad at these Democrats and the people in the establishment. I can understand that part at least. And I see I think that's where the disconnect is. Because it's like, no, 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 if you if you like Trump, then you're just evil, you're just bad, and we should just like not listen to you. But at the same time, it's like, no, I can understand why he was kind of like speaking to you because you are going through pain. But it's like he wasn't he wasn't the answer though. Like I think I think that's a much better approach than to just like attack people. Can I ask you guys a, a question? Actually, uh, I'm kind of curious about it because uh, you're all Yang gangers. Uh, what do you guys think about Yang uh, as mayor of New York City potentially? Do you think that's a good uh, path for him? I think it's a good fit for him, at least because it'll put him 
a step closer. Like there were a lot of people throughout him when he was running saying, well, he doesn't have enough experience. How about you run on a lower level government official and then work your way up the ladder? You know, so I think because he's been in New York all his life, it would be a good look for him. And because his popularity is up there now, you know, and in New York, they they vote pretty progressively. So I think it's it, it would be a good look for him. Um, but, you know, I, I'm really hoping that he would come back for 24 because that's when it's we're really going to need it. You know what I mean? Especially if you're looking at like if if this administration doesn't bode well. The next four years, you got to worry about who's going to be the next one trying to be like Trump. Or you got to worry about, you know, who else is next in line on the other side. And I don't think that Trump is going to get that far as far as um, running again. But if he was to come back and run again, or we end up with another him, we're going to need Yang. You know, because I, I don't I don't have much faith in anyone else being able to sway people where we need to be to make the changes that we need but i think as far as him running as a mayor i think that that's a good look for him you know i'm kind of of two minds about it myself uh oh sorry go ahead Faye. no please go ahead i i can wait i have oh it's funny you kind of uh, growing up in and around new york city i i can see kind of an argument for and against it that I think it's a bad move if he wants to be president one day because New York City is a really kind of unique and weird place. And I think once you get into the political scene there, you're kind of locked into it. Like you don't generally see too many former New York City mayors make the jump from the mayorship uh, into like a, a viable presidential campaign. And I think that's just because New York City is almost more like a city state. It's it's got an enormous population within a small area, and it doesn't really function like most of the other parts of the country. On the other hand, I can see if, if Yang's not uh, as intent on the presidential ambitions, but he wants to like create, you know, join that uh, alliance of, of mayors who are trying to uh, pass like smaller, like test bed UBIs. I think in that case, uh, New York city would obviously be a, a, a huge uh, boon to have involved in that. So I don't know. I'm, I'm of two minds about it myself, but. I think uh, the general milieu that the top-down strategy talk has existed in since the campaign suspension is that we can get UBI from the ground up a lot faster from, from top-down, acknowledging that you know we're not going to have the presidency in 2020, and there's not uh, a situation that looks to be unfolding where Yang is going to likely have a good run in 2024 if he wants to run at all, or or potentially even 2028 if Joe Biden holds on to the presidency for two years and then hands it off to Kamala Harris, who can just hold on to it for eight, um, with all the establishment backing her. So it might be more realistic to make a coalition of mayors, put a lot of UBI pilots together, then grow that to the state level, and then from the state level, grow it to the federal level instead of trying to pull it off top down. Uh, So I think think... Yang for mayor makes a good... If he can actually get UBI to work in New York City, that would be like the biggest, most successful test pilot ever because at higher... You know, it scales up. UBI has more benefits at, at a bigger scale. So his if Yang does like two years of UBI pilot and it saves... Uh, New York from what would have been a devastating post-corona depression. Uh, I mean, that's a good piece of data to pitch UBI to the rest of the country with in a few years or a few electoral cycles. 
So, well, I mean, I, what, what, I, what, I, what do the rest of you guys think about Yang as mayor versus? I just, uh, I just shared a link not too long ago on our Twitter that people are basically shoplifting now, and it's like a lot of people you can't blame because if they're that's their only source of like healthy food and like food for their kids, that that's going to be crazy. I, I, I don't think I, I think it's going to take like two months into a freaking Biden administration until people un- realize that the jobs are not coming back, right? At that 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 whatever was there has been automated or they've been like understaffed and then when if yang is mayor and he talks about ubi and it's just a it's just a matter of time until they're like hey like i we don't we don't care that you have like the first female black vice president i mean okay whatever but keep in mind she's also a cop she also put a lot of like in it like like people black people in jail but uh but but let's like i think people are done with the symbols because i'm sick and tired of it i'm sick and tired of the rhetoric i'm sick and tired of the symbols i'm sick and tired of like anything that has to do with virtue signaling and i just want to see results so in two three months when people realize that it's rhetoric and symbols and all this other like sorry crap that we're used to they're going to be like where's where's the money right and and it's all going to come down to that and I don't think it's going to be that much of rocket science with Erica Rhodes, who's running near my district as a congressional candidate under like the Yang ba- banner. She's black and she's she's just an amazing woman. She's like she's the best. I had an interview with her. And I think if Erica Rhodes makes it in Congress in 2022 and a few other Yang uh, inspired people make it in Congress in 2022, I think it's just a matter of time that the idea catches on fire and we don't even need to think about, oh, 2024, this, 2024, that. There's going to be so much suffering until 2022 that the idea of UBI will just explode into everybody's consciousness. And um, to put in my, my two cents on this, um, I'm generally pretty different from, I think, most of Yang Gang and how I relate to Andrew Yang. I don't feel much like a fangirl. Like, um, you know, I feel like we have a lot of people who make us feel very cultish almost because we're just so much about the the cult of you know what a great guy andrew is and i absolutely am very thankful to him for having appeared on the political scene and to be the person that he is i really do think he's a wonderful person but that being said i think that he is expending his energies in exploring all these different avenues he keeps saying things that he's going to do before they've actually happened in the exploration phase and I think that's um, letting all of our energies kind of, you know, expend itself in, in a way that's not uh, productive because, you know, everybody gets really excited and then, oh, that didn't happen, you know, and then we get all excited again about the next thing and, oh, and that didn't happen either. And so it's like um, one of the things I would love for him to do is to just kind of hold things closer, you know, until he's absolutely sure that he's going to make a play for something. And then we would all jump in and be 100% behind him no matter what it is that he picks. But um, even with the mayoral run, again, it's like, um, I would have really liked to see Andrew just really focus on getting this UBI. UBI was his policy. And now he's kind of, you know, it's like, am I going to be a speaker? Am I going to do a podcast? Am I going to be on CNN as a political analyst? Do I, you know, and there's just so many different things going on. I don't feel like he can focus properly. And it also is expending the energies of the people who want to support him. Like we want to... You know, and so I want him to really focus on something. And what I would have liked to see him focus on is just advocating for the UBI, 100% on that. And the rest of this, uh, you know, like like uh, Moto was saying, New York City is a very, very specific 
you know, sort of, and it's a very large, a very big job, you know, to say that somebody can leap into that position without any sort of experience is also, you know, interesting. And I would, if he was going to become, uh, if he's going to really entertain that run, I would like to see him make connections and let go of the people that he ran for president with. And I know that might not be popular because we have a lot of people who are really big fans of Zach and really big fans of, you know, Humanity Forward, uh, the, the organization. Uh, yes, they're doing a lot of good things, but they're part of why he keeps expending his energy in this direction, in that direction. Now I'm doing philanthropy. Now I'm doing this, you know, like these are not people who are political masterminds who are really focused on getting him elected to the position that he's going to go for, you know, and um, who don't know how to like direct him either. So it's like, I, I think Zach was a great person, but I would like to see Andrew move forward if he's going to do a mayoral run with uh, you know, a really crack team, right? Somebody who's people who really have experience and not be kind of muddling about it. Because if we keep expending our energy this way, I find that in by 2024, we're not going to be ready. You know, again, that's a great uh, point, Faye. And I'll, I'm sorry, let me cut you off, Christian. You can go right after me. But um, I just, you know, that makes me think, frankly, I, I wonder if Yang might be better at someone's campaign manager than, than, than uh, you know, than campaigning himself, you know? Like, what if Dave Chappelle ran for president and, and uh, Yang were his campaign manager? That would be a pretty good ticket, I think. I wouldn't mind him as my <laughs> campaign manager. Because, sure. because I, 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 mean, I can show a lot of charisma. The, the, the broader point, just, just to, the broader point I'm making, Yang is, like, a great leader for the organization Yang's put together and the, the people Yang has inspired. Maybe his energy should simply go there, where it sort of naturally seems to make the bigger impact. And he should let someone who is like an expert at trying to run for president, but has his politics run for president. You know, that's maybe that's where we should go with this. policy. I think, that's it. I think the, uh, the and I talked about this with Shale a little bit. If he's going to make the play for New York City, I think it'll be a big test of his ability to either defeat or integrate with machine politics, because that is a machine town if ever there was one. And I think you're already seeing because they're, He's pulling pretty well there right now, so you're already seeing the machine kind of like move into gear to try to like resist him if he decides to enter. So there's been a lot of talk about uh, him being like a gentrifier and, and stuff like that. And I, I, I think it'll be kind of a real grind in, in terms of um, whether he can he can kind of uh, either uh, defeat or uh, soothe the. Uh, the party infrastructure in uh, you know a town where it's extremely powerful. And New York City is not a small job. It's such a big job because of their humongous economic you know power, and uh, you have a lot of people. You have a lot of different types of uh, things going on. If it was I a think, state, uh, I think it would be the uh, the fourteenth largest state in the country just by itself. It's it's kind of incredible. And I would find it difficult to believe that this particular foray into politics wouldn't change Andrew at all. And I, I don't want him to change. I love him the way he is. And I want him to be in a, in a space where he and Evelyn and the children can have a beautiful life together while all of this is happening. And yeah, I just I don't think, think and, it's a Andrew lot of energy changes. to put into it. I think, I think uh, Andrew changes people, but people aren't going to change him because like... Uh... Yeah, I I have a good because because like like he's just a genuine, friendly, nice person, and if you know people like that, you know that they don't they they, they usually stay that way and they're not manipulative. 
but I think like he has a way of like getting rid of people's like manipulative and nefarious sides and like opening up their like friendly happy sides. So if he could influence other people who are already in politics, that would be the best thing as opposed to vice versa. Yeah. So one of the reasons why I don't, um, I always teach, when I'm teaching, um, I try to teach outside of the school system. I don't like to be like a teacher in the school system. I don't try to find all, I don't try to get accredited and try to do all of those things because I find it very stifling to be in the school system. And Andrew has multiple times jumped out of situations where, you know, like the situation was changing him or making him uncomfortable. And he didn't see his, you know, the benefits from uh, continuing in those positions. And so I think that, uh, you know, it's hard to say what would happen with this uh, particular job, with the New York City mayor job. So I, I don't know if he would even enjoy it, you know. So for well, me, I mean, it would be ever, hard for me to do something. Like, really like, a, like most mayors of New York City have ran for president, like the Blasio and... Bloomberg, Giuliani. They they generally just don't have much, uh, much purchase outside of like the state, and not even even the whole state necessarily. But in like Florida, because we have so much like out migration to Florida, (laughs) like two, the two places where you can kind of like get any traction uh, from New York City Mayor. It's just people. I I don't think it's not a good training ground for the rest of the country because most of the rest of the country doesn't really work like New York City. I think New York City, right? I mean, mean, the people in Texas would find that not very compelling. (laughs) Well, well, well. Donald Trump is from New York. I mean, he was, but he he definitely was not involved in New York City government. Right, right, yeah, for sure. uh, Uh, Being a New Yorker is fine. In fact, people kind of like the the straight-talky, like, uh, vulgarity, I think, now, of of New Yorkers. Right, yeah. yeah, Being part of New York's government is kind of different than being, uh, I think, just from here. Right, but I I still think, though, that, like, with with his previous recognition and thing, people are going to know that Yang's not all New York because of his previous presidential run. If he does one again after he does become mayor, and and I think what if he does become time? mayor of New York, he can reach out to the Republicans uh, because he's so such a good uh, ambassador. I'd like to see uh, what other types of national positions might he consider um, trying to apply for, or you know, work towards, or how he can have a national influence continuing forward. I don't think that, I mean, considering that Ronald Reagan as a, you know, was, uh, became, you know, a politician straight from Hollywood, you know, that's, I don't think that it's necessary. This whole focus on the fact that he didn't have enough experience doing something specific, you know, I think that was actually, that's just something that throw at everybody. They could throw that at Obama. They threw it at every, you know, every single person that comes along who can possibly be prepared for the president of the United States without being president of the United States. You know, well, I think it's less it's it's less influential an argument than it's ever been. Now, I mean, it, it when people like the way things are going, it's like, all right, I want experience. But you know, when people are desperate for any kind of change, kind of you know, having experience is, is not necessarily even a good thing. You know, it just makes if you look. Coronavirus happened a couple of months it's, earlier. I think he would have been president. Um, And I think that the better, the more important thing we should have focused on is empathy, right? But we don't talk enough about, you know, looking at those types of qualities in people. And Andrew has so much of that. Yeah, it's a shame.
I think really it's it's a matter of kind of uh, overcoming the media and getting the media or getting the media to do what you wanted to. That's what worked for Donald Trump, you know. Uh, that's how he he got in, and I think uh, that's also you know that's how Biden got into. He just had pretty much a completely frictionless run in the media, and uh, so. I was actually thinking about Naomi. Um, if you are uh, in Florida, how far away is that from Georgia in terms of just making a maybe a weekend trip or something out there and doing something uh, in person? Is that not a consideration anymore because coronavirus is just thrown a wrench in everything? You're muted, Naomi. I I I would. It's just difficult because you know I. I don't have the income, and because now the kids are home from school, um, and the person that I had uh, that was able to help me out back in January, she actually is not from here. She was an exchange student from Brazil. Oh. And um, so I don't think she's around anymore, and, you know, I'm very limited with who can assist me with that, but... um. I think if I overall, if I was able to take a trip out there, it would probably be like, I don't know, like probably four hours or five hours, maybe. I'm not sure on the distance, but, you know, I know we're, we're down south, so, I mean, we drove so from... on the scale of like LA to San Francisco or from uh, Houston to Dallas, that kind of thing. It's, it's yeah. a pretty good trip. Right. Yeah. Well, uh, like we we drove out we drove out here from Connecticut when we moved um Connecticut to Florida, and it was like a twenty almost like a twenty four hour drive, like a twenty hour drive to get out here. Oh yeah, that's uh yeah yeah doing like the uh, north to south on the east coast is about like a uh, like almost like a full day trip if you want to like just kind of power through it. Yeah. Yeah. So. It would it would be a journey, but it's like I don't drive either, so uh, yeah. I don't. I, if, I, if I had the opportunity, I would for it. I find it difficult to even phone bank with the children around um, because they just get all crazy when I'm on the phone, and then you know people can hear them in the background. Uh, so I find it uh, interesting that they're doing some in uh, what do you call it letter writing right now. And they're doing some letter writing parties, I think, every week with the Humanity Forward Movement or Humanity, I mean, Humanity Forward or Humanity First Movement. I think um, we heard about this from the interim board member, Kevin Lee, who is um, on the HFM board. And so I'm going to try to participate in that because I think uh, letter writing is calm. And if my child says something or needs me for a second, I just hop off of letter writing. It's no problem. And um, hopefully this can be something that uh, more people can join in uh, as, as you know, time goes on to help. Uh, we're trying to elect Osof, is that right? I mean, I haven't, haven't I've actually looked into the candidates very much. Do you guys know about all of them? Uh, yeah. Osof looks he like a last mitzvah, boy. He didn't, uh, he, he, yes, yeah, he almost made it like, uh, God, what was it, in 2016? Or I don't know anything about Osof's policies, but... Uh... But I, but I know he's a charismatic he, man. That's all I know. He, he, oh, <laughs> like I saw him on camera. I was like, yeah, this guy seems like he could he could win. He's got a good presence. He's he pretty much about liberal. Yeah, he, he's talking about those direct checks. He, he's he's talking. To, he's he's in full support of direct checks, and uh, he debated an empty podium. So 
if, yeah, if an, that's what an I mean. M- that's if, why I got the sense he was charismatic. You know, right, it's like, right. no, he, he really handled well, the situation with a plum. That, that's kind of <laughs> well, it's funny like, because like, I, I, can, I was listening to the um, interview with the Breakfast Club the other day with, you know, Charlemagne the God and uh, DJ Envy. And uh, they had Warnock and Ossoff both on virtual. And um, John Ossoff was talking about the whole, you know, stock trade thing, the insider trading with Purdue and Leffler. And he called them both the Bonnie and Clyde of the Senate. (laughs) And he's just he it's just the way that he came at Purdue when they did have that one debate. He straight up called him a crook to his face. And gave him the opportunity to I defend mean, himself, lying? and he didn't. He didn't even try. <laughs> it's, it's just so. So, so if Purdue gets reelected, that obviously shows you that people aren't paying attention at all, and they just see the word incumbent or R next to something, and they just bubble something in without using their brain. Well, they're also using the whole socialism argument. It's like, always that. It's you know, always that. If, if 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 you have like nothing to say and nothing to offer, just repeat the word socialist a thousand times. You right. pretty much just mapped out what happened between Warnock and Leffler the other day. <laughs> Every word out right, of her mouth exactly. was uh, liberal socialist. Uh, you know, Warnock and all this other stuff. So that she had yeah, nothing. Like, she what, had like, no what? attack. Yeah. I think it's going to really depend on what what uh, what's going on in terms of turnout in Georgia because it, it's it's kind of uh, a lot of the uh, major elections there have been incredibly close the past cycle or two. Uh, you've kind of got like a, a big kind of population turnover and change in it. One thing that I, I think makes me a little bit worried for uh, for Asaf, not to the, that I care too much whether he wins or not, but if you know you do care, um, in exit polls. It looks like uh, Trump actually did a little bit better, like relative to 2016, within the city of Atlanta, but uh, worse within the suburbs. Which makes me wonder if you have a the reason Biden might have won Georgia is because you had uh, voters who would normally probably vote Republican, but at the top of the ticket just voted against Trump. So I don't know if they're going to be wanting a divided government for the Senate. Uh, on the other hand, maybe uh, you know, maybe people are motivated enough in Georgia to, <laughs> you know. Well, not that just that, but look at the sabotage that the Republicans are at right now with the whole "oh, the election was rigged," and you got Sidney Powell up there with Lynn Wood telling people not to vote for Leffler and Purdue, and you know, because why would you vote if you're gonna end up with another rigged election? You know, and that that really took a bite. That's like literally the right eating themselves up. You know what I mean? And it just clear, just clear sabotage. Yeah, Georgia's kind of ground zero for that stuff. I think it's hilarious. You know, it's it's all just it's it's all it, people are just falling for like theater. It's all it's all just like smoke screens and theater. When the the the, yeah. the the real thing is, it's like it's like what are these people actually gonna do for you at the end of the day? Like zero. That they're just going to scare you about other people. Your life's not going to be any better for it. But you're, you're gonna, you're, you're just going to feel like you're fighting against like socialism and the boogeyman and all that and stuff. And all that stuff. It's just. It's but just, the funny it's thing about socialism and all this. There go ahead. There go ahead. Oh, uh, no, the funny thing about the whole socialism argument with Leffler 
is she keeps on going back to how she grew up on a farm, the family farm and all this humble beginning stuff, right? But I was reading the comments in the YouTube section on the um, on the link to the to the debate and people were saying that her family gets subsidies all the time from the family farm and she's worth like half a billion dollars by herself. So and then the fact that her husband, it, he runs the stock exchange in, in New York or whatever, you know, you have the audacity <laughs> to preach about being anti-socialist, but your family farm is taking in subsidies that taxpayers are paying. Oh, yeah. Rich people are some of the most subsidized people in our country, but, you know, they're, they're the rugged individualists. It's just reverse socialism, so it's okay, right? <laughs> it's somebody somebody well, well, chimed the in that, they, that they're, um, that the pe- somebody was trying. Chiming in after you'd shared that article, Ariel, about how people are shoplifting now to support their families, um, that there was actually a surplus on the farm in this year, and they just had to destroy the food. Like, they couldn't sell it. So it's weird that we have this total, yeah, mismatch. Now, I I was asking, is Dave Chappelle out there in Georgia as well? We don't know, huh? We don't know, huh? I don't know. Last I, I know. heard, him and Joe Rogan were supposed to be having a, a show put together. They were supposed okay. to feature in a in a show. That's but I, I don't. I don't know. Exciting. Yang should really yeah. go back on Joe Rogan. I think, like, well, post election. I, mean, I, I think. I think what you just brought up, Naomi, uh, about like her subsidies and stuff. Warnock should just bring that up about Loeffler. It's like, okay, so why, why, why aren't you against Coke? The corporate socialism. Democrats miss that, like, so bad. Like, when Yang said, do you all remember voting for the, like, trillion-dollar bailout of Wall Street? I don't remember voting for it. You don't remember voting for it. So why can't we vote for money for ourselves? It's like, you know, you know, it's, it's, it's yeah, it's a joke. It's basically just a joke. I mean, I mean, at this point, it's all just like deception and smokescreenism. There was ever a word for it, and, it, and it's just like it's it's just like it's just like a Jedi mind trick. Like, the socialism is only when poor people, but for rich people, it's okay. It's like, well, you know, <laughs> the thing that kills me is they want to give twenty five billion dollars, another twenty five billion dollars to the airline, right? Right. Um. But that's that's tax subsidies from actual taxpayers that are paying off the airlines to do what? <laughs> Trickle down the breadcrumbs to everyone else? I mean right, the least well, they could do the so least hard. they could do is is give us the money and let us decide where it goes. So sure, say I'll, right I'll now, like I wouldn't want to travel on a flight right now, but who said that I if I had recurring checks, I wouldn't make maybe um a, a plan yeah. in advance yeah. to take a vacation. When the coast right. is clear, at least if I'm throwing money at the airline from the bailout I got, that would help keep the airlines stable. And, and, that, and that's like true capitalism. Like, that's like you choose who you want to give it to instead of the government just giving it to them directly. So, I mean, if you want to talk about capitalism, like, that's it. Like, why, why, like, like, why, why is it that they fail and they get a get out of jail free card? Like, we would never get that. Never get- like, like, they... You know, it's 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 kind of like well, it, airline, it, is, it is socialism for them for the airline. The airline industry <laughs> would argue. The airline industry would argue that they are essential to the operation of the United States. That they're like of a, a national security level importance industry, and that they need to be repaired. But our once, survival uh, is survival. 
Exactly. That's yeah, the thing. They when they argue these things, things, it's just as uh, just valid as, uh, for us to say, we are the base of the country. And if we're not here, you can forget about all these other industries. <laughs> right. <laughs> totally yeah. makes no sense to argue for corporations to get it first. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. Well, I was looking into the whole um, airline thing, to, um, possibly uh, shutting down, and um, somebody else had uh, said in the comment section, like these airlines have assets; they have lines of credit that regular people don't have. So why can they not bail themselves out? Right. And then on top of that, they take this subsidy, the, this bailout, and then they still want to lay off their workers. It's rigged. You know, um, totally I was reading rigged. earlier today that uh, I think. Um, I think it might have been United or one of those airlines. The um, the the uh, flight attendants and the airline cra- uh, staff they're coming out and they're talking about how uh, they're being told that unless that if they don't have any symptoms, they could either, it's optional for them to quarantine. So imagine being a flight attendant and the pilot has you know COVID. Probably felt great that morning, and then like six hours into a flight, they're starting to feel under the weather. Now you're exposing the entire plane to to this because you're in an enclosed area, you know. So that if and you're making awesome. it optional for people to quarantine, and you're basically telling people to keep it on the low and don't say anything, that's that's not cool. And then, and then you got Mitch McConnell over here trying to give um, immunity to corporations and businesses in case lawsuits come up yeah well the whole legal team over there with trump everybody over there including mitch mcconnell's team everybody's getting covid left and right they're walking around and doing all of these things and holding meetings with people without their masks they're walking incubators you know they're not giving immunity they're giving (laughs) they're giving covid right giving disease out it's it's (laughs) and they're pro-life give me a break my goodness I just wanted to note the time because uh, I didn't want to keep our guest uh, if she needs to get going. But uh, our scheduled time is almost up, and we could uh, put our do our closings now and and take some time to let people know how to contact you if they want to continue having a conversation with you um, through social media or if there's anything you'd like to let people know is happening, um, like something that you want that you're doing right now. Is there any uh, social media that you'd like to? Uh, share with our listeners yeah i'm on facebook uh naomi luciano n-a-o-m-i-l-u-c-i-a-n-o and the same on twitter um i don't really do much else as far as instagram or any other twitch or any other streaming site um i just kind of keep it between the two facebook and twitter i'm more on facebook um but anybody wants to you know link up be friends on facebook or share anything having to do with what's going on right now around the country um feel free to facebook or twitter all right and your twitter does it have some numbers at the end is it naomi luciano um it's i think it's naomi luciano 10 very good but um, I really want to appreciate you guys for opening up your uh, stream, your guest for today. Time. Sorry that I missed you guys the last time on the holiday and everything else. I lost track of the days. Uh, no problem at all. Thank you well, so thank much you. for coming. It was great to meet you. And I want to invite you to come back anytime. anytime. Uh, post well, anytime you guys want to do this, let me know. And I'll try to make sure I get headsets next time. 
That'd be great. Um, I'd love to have you again. We post a schedule every Thursday, so just, uh, you know, I'm here on Discord. Check the schedule. schedule. If you see a show you want to come to, just show up. That would be, we'd love to talk to you again. All right. It doesn't have to be a headset. A simple headphone is uh, sufficient to just prevent uh, the mic going. And we... We would like to invite you to come back anytime you like uh, by looking at the schedules on Thursdays will be posted in our scheduled channel. So we have a text channel in our Discord where Shale will come every Thursday and post the schedule for the weekend. So we posted this weekend that you would be here. And our regular speakers will come and, and check it out. But as a somebody who's already been on the show, you know the drill. So anytime you see somebody you want to talk to, come in and talk to us. And uh, we usually have space. So it's wonderful that we can, you know, host a discussion between more than usually like a lot of these programs want to do an interview format where it's one person, you know, the special guest gets the questions and we just listen to one person talking. But we really wanted to have a format where we get a chance to, um, you know, as a community, discuss it together as Yang Gang. But thank you guys for having me. Thank you for coming. Uh, we had the best, best time. You're very well spoken very too. Well like when you speak, yeah. like you speak people, are people are listening, and I think uh, you really God, catch people's catch attention because you have important things to say. Yeah. So um, we so. can get we can get with that the next time. I got stories for days, but uh, yeah, it, it was good timing because I was able to get on right after. <laughs> again, well, if we have really good sound, we'll be able to hear your stories even better. Right now, we're we're really um, have uh, we have a lot of our focus on Faye Doni right now because she's physically, you know, undergoing some stressful things. So uh, it's hard to really shift our focus. So every podcast, we've been dedicating some of our time to talking about what what's going on over there. So thank you for sharing that time with us. And uh, my name is Faye Koo. You can find me on Facebook as myself, and you can also find me on Twitter. As um, at Palestine Math. That's P A L E S T I N E M A T H. Make America Think Harder out here in Texas. Okay, so um, I've got um, Ariel, you're next. Yeah, so this is my first time uh, streaming on our OBS, and uh, I got to close a lot of tabs because I see that this OBS stuff, like taking a lot of bandwidth, making my computer uh, go, go slow and stuff. Uh, okay, but um, yeah, you can find me on Ariel's Ariels on Twitter. That's A R I E L S A E R I A L S, and uh, YouTube. I am Revolutionary Thinking. That's YouTube.com/slash Revolutionary Thinking. Great time, you guys. Awesome, Moto. I am Moto at Moto Motes. That's M O T O underscore M O T E S. Okay, and Shale. I am Shale Riley on Twitter, S-H-A-E-L-R-I-L-E-Y. Thank you for watching and listening. We will be back uh, a few times this weekend with more UBI discussion, more guests. We got a couple social streams. We're going to play a game called AI Dungeon later on YouTube and possibly Twitch. If someone shows up to stream to Twitch, definitely YouTube. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty crazy game. So that'll Wait, be tonight. tell us about this game because I got really excited when you All described it. Right, so you know, it, the, you know the text adventure format you described, which was kind of sort of popularized, if not originated by the game Zork in like 1979. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, you know what I'm talking about. You were, you were just talking about, you know, you type in things like get bucket, you know, get water with bucket, throw water at troll, that, that kind of thing. Ye old fashioned text adventure, you know? You guys hear me, right? <laughs>
Okay. yeah, I played one called Adventure. Yeah, so it's, it's <laughs> so you know how natural language processing is a subfield of uh, artificial intelligence and deep learning. So that's where machines learn to talk to people in a very sophisticated manner to communicate very sophisticated human ideas. You know, so like machines sort of know how to write in English at the edge of technology today. So when you combine that technology with the old-fashioned text adventure, you get an uh, a sort of perpetually bespoke text adventure. It's sort of like an AI dungeon master, like he, were, like he or she were a real person running a Dungeons & Dragons game. You could just sort of try anything in the game with instead of being limited to a, a decision tree that the computer programmer sort of guessed people might, uh, of things people might want to do, you know? Um I'm not really sure if I'm explaining excited. it very well, but it's like I, I want to try yeah. it. But uh, okay, tell me this: <sighs> it's is the kind it of thing you dream of as a kid to come yeah. and throw in a yeah. few words like Mad Libs? Yeah, can you do that too? Yes, yes. Zephyr can come play. It's totally. <laughs> we, there's an even there is a mode. There's a safe for work mode, which I'll unfortunately have to turn on for the stream because you know that's that's the, the, the because if you don't, everything gets super vulgar. <laughs> but it'll be safe. For for what? kids, you can just tell the you can tell the AI. It's like, hey, no, do nothing too untoward, and it's like, yeah, it's cool. I will. It seems more energy. into violence even than vulgarity. Like, you know, it, if you get it going in one direction, it goes hard. <laughs> okay, well, this is our social time every weekend. That uh, Shale has been very kind to host uh, some social time for us practically every weekend since what will will be for Halloween. Uh, yeah. We've been doing this for. You've been doing it for a couple months at least. Yeah, it's in September. Well, anyway, you guys, um, I'm I'm probably gonna close the uh, OBS stream. Oh yeah, uh, we, yeah, we, we'll look we close on. Okay, yeah. Because All right, let's say goodbye too. then. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, everybody. Bye, yeah. everyone. Bye. Thank you for coming. Goodbye. Come to our social stream and play uh, a new game. <laughs> new social.